0: And welcome to One in Tarnation, Tar Blog's hot take podcast. On this episode, we're discussing UNC's loss to Virginia and Armando Bacot's injury. I'm Tana Anderson, and with me as always are Brandon Anderson and Julius Emanuel. Guys, we, uh, we had our own COVID pause, but now we're back.
1: We're back, and Julius is alive. So... That is something to be grateful for. <laughs> yeah.
2: Yeah. Uh, there was a good 30-hour period where I wasn't really sure what was going to happen. But uh, yeah, it was, what, two weeks later and I've still got a little bit of a cough. So, But
1: definitely glad to be over the worst of that. Well, we're glad. Good to have you back on the pod.
0: But also, uh, you know. If it had taken you out, you could. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. That
2: uh, I know what you were gonna say, and that would have been the worst way to go out. <laughs> <laughs> that was
0: absolutely not serious. We are. We are glad you are doing better. Um, so Virginia, uh, John Paul Jones Arena should probably be like burned to the ground. Um, Not if it does burn to the ground, I'm not saying I didn't. I'm just saying that if it happened, I could understand because my goodness, UNC has just not done well there in a long time.
1: Before we even get into some like actual analysis, I just want to say that. There is something about that place that is just haunted for this team. And I don't know that we'll ever win there again. I I, I know that we can say that we lost because of this thing, that thing, the other thing. But um, Baycock getting hurt in the first minute? I mean, come on. Like, the odds. I mean, pretty good because he's hurt his ankles a lot. But I'm just saying, like, that game of all games... I I can't.
0: They haven't won in Charlottesville since Maryland was still in the ACC, Ugh. and all footage of Maryland in the ACC now looks like it was filmed on an actual potato. <laughs> so, I mean,
2: awful. I just need Kawhi Clark to graduate. Yeah. Like- but if there are things other than college basketball for you to be doing, you 30-year-old man, um, <laughs> get out of there.
0: <laughs> I felt very attacked. So I was also like, you have got to be kidding me. How is KA Clark still on this team? But then they said that he is the same, like, year as Leaky, and I felt attacked by that because I feel like he has been there seven years longer than Leakey's been at Carolina. And I know Leakey's been there a long time, but like...
1: It is kind of crazy to think that Leakey came in with Kobe White.
0: That is crazy.
1: It's been a long time.
2: So I'll give you another one while we're talking about this. So Clark came in the same year that Sam Hartman went to Wake.
1: Oh. Oh, no.
0: I feel like we've lived... Like three lifetimes since then, for you know many obvious reasons, but like it doesn't even feel like that timeline is one that could be real,
1: Aaron Matson won like five championships during that time
0: <laughs> crazy uh. so yeah, um Charlottesville is is really, really bad, and Uh, losing Baycott 90 seconds in, I mean, of all the people that could have gone down with an injury that early, he's probably the one that hurt, that would have hurt the most. Um, Just because Pete Nance also didn't play last night. And I, I don't think that, Pete Nance would have saved that situation, but um, Hubert Davis had to turn to Jalen Washington, who, you know, we know the story with Jalen is uh, he's still working back from an ACL injury. It's sort of been like touch and go, uh, coming back in small increments, um, but they didn't have the ability to uh, do small increments against Virginia but I thought he did really well for um for all of that being the case for having not played more minutes than he has to this point I thought he did as good of a job as could have been asked of him
1: yeah um he was really good he had 12 points in the first half um just he he just looked really good and natural around the room he had some jumpers um I think there was a baseline jumper that he hit and I was just like oh okay I remember hearing that he had that in him and uh we just hadn't seen it yet um I feel like him being available for more minutes than he had been getting was big because I think where Baycott and really Nance, too, being out really hurt is, I mean, Virginia is not a big team this year. And usually they have like Jack Saul or somebody like that that's able to pull down boards for them. But really, their rebounding has been pretty mid. Um,
0: As evidenced by the fact that UNC uh, narrowly lost the rebounding margins yeah. um even without Baycott.
1: Yeah. I mean, that pretty much tells the story right there. Um I I don't know that I can recall Franklin having that many rebounds in any game this season so far. Um that vanderplas guy, I don't even I just it's frustrating because Baycott could have handled all of these guys, but you know, nothing you could do when he's out.
2: Well, and there's also one other thing, too, that um let's not overlook either. So would Baker have been able to overcome the poor officiating that we saw?
1: That.
0: <laughs> no. And, I mean, unfortunately, that's becoming commonplace at this point. It's like at some point there are going to be some absolutely atrocious calls. I think there was like, what was it? Not that it was the only one, to be sure. But there was, like, a completely phantom call on Leaky. Yeah. Where it was just, like, complete nonsense. And then... um, There
2: there was that one, and there was that charge call that wasn't... Jalen was getting hacked. And I feel like if, you know, they were trying to feed it to the post with Armando there to any significant degree... I don't know. I could have seen um I definitely could have seen where he could have gotten into foul trouble. Um and, you know, possibly even fouled out because they were I don't they were just too inconsistent, uh, for my taste and not very good at all. So I think I even I even tweeted that to that effect. And I'm not trying to blame the loss on them by any means, but it definitely affected the game more than uh, I can recall um, in a while. Like, I think maybe for me personally, it probably would have been since the Baylor game and NCAA tournament. Um, not quite that drastic, but they really did uh, affect it, especially in the first half, uh, in my opinion.
1: Yeah, and see, in years past with some of this bad officiating, I would probably jump to the home team gets the whistle Theory, but I feel like we have seen time and time again this year that the officiating is just bad. Like, across the board, I've watched so many games with bad officiating. It's not just UNC. Um, So, I I mean, while I can understand why somebody would be like, well, you know, you're just mad because UNC lost. Like, you can't blame it on the refs. It's like, I actually can because there's (laughs) – we have so much evidence at this point
0: I mean, there have also been calls where we've been sitting here and it's like, thank you for making that call in UNC's favor, but I'm pretty sure it's incorrect. (laughs) I mean,
1: how many times did I say that last night? It was like two or three times. I was just like, I'm pretty sure he traveled. I'm pretty sure this happened. But it just, look, and I don't know when the ACC finally says enough. My guess is never. They for whatever reason, review this stuff. And they're like, it's fine. And I'm just like, it's not, though. It's really not.
0: Teddy Valentine will bury us all. So,
2: So, and that was the other thing that I was thinking about yesterday, too. I was like, all right, look, ACC, uh, as much as we want football to be our product, no, we we know what the ACC's product is, and it's basketball. And you're allowing this poor officiating to ruin it.
1: Yeah. Yeah it's ruining it. It's hard to watch. Like
2: so I just don't understand I just I don't understand, you know, how any rational person could look at that and go, "Okay, cool, yeah. Um no, you've got to put all your resources into the thing um that's your best and, you know, that's basketball." And I just don't know what they're doing. No.
0: Yeah. I mean, I feel like it is the the ongoing problem. It's it's not just a basketball problem. I think it's a it's a sports problem. Um but you know, un, until any league really forces the uh, the uh refs to get up there and uh take accountability at the end of games for the calls they make, uh, I don't I don't really foresee a lot changing. Um, but even with no Baycott, UNC had a lead at halftime. And I think if, if someone had told me that Baycott would be out 90 seconds in and that Caleb Love would have two points and you also said that they had a lead at halftime, I would have thought that you were smoking the good stuff. (laughs) um but they did it just uh it real the wheels fell off in the second half
1: yeah and i feel like i would have to go back and watch the game to pinpoint exactly what like i feel like i remember it just getting a little sloppy um
0: I think that's a fair assessment. Um there was just a stretch where I feel like UNC couldn't buy a bucket. Yeah. And Virginia started hitting threes and it was it was downhill from there.
2: Yeah, that's what I was gonna say. <clears throat> um I, I felt like that the, the turning point was there. Um, it got sloppy. We weren't scoring. Virginia was able to. Because I still feel like the same thing would have happened if, even if they had scored twos, jumpers. Um, they, was, they were still able to score. We weren't doing much of that, you know, if all, if at all. And yeah, I think that's where the, the will started coming off.
0: It's pretty hard to win when you shoot 39% in the second half and your opponent shoots 54%. In the second half on some tight margins. Not a recipe for success.
1: Yeah. And, you know, to the credit of R.J. Davis and Caleb Love, they combined for 22 points. But outside of them, um, the rest of the team only scored seven.
0: But nine of those points for Caleb came in, like, the final four minutes. Yeah. Um, He... He was jacking up threes, and they were finally going in after uh, his shot had not been falling all night. Um, Unfortunately, uh, when he started making threes, uh, UNC also stopped getting stops, like, at all. Uh, Virginia was kind of scoring at will on the other end, and um, they got it down to, what was it, a three-point game late? But that was as close as they could get it because they just could could not get a stop.
2: Yeah, and I feel like you know, even with Caleb hitting finally hitting his threes there at the end, I don't think that that should make up for some of the questionable shot selection um, that we saw, you know, really in the first half. I don't, I don't think that that should make up for it, and it will for a lot of people. Um, you know, I've, I've seen it like, oh, well, Caleb was the only person, the only reason that we were in the game, kind of thing. And I'm like, yeah, but at times he was the reason for some of the swings that we had to. Um, I, you know, a middleman, somewhere in the middle, I think would be a better point for the team versus this seesaw that we often see.
1: He had a very typical game for himself um, when looking at the rest of the season. I I still can't figure out what's going on there. I mean, I, I I think they even said at near the beginning of the broadcast that Caleb was talking about how he's been letting the game come to – or he's trying to let the game come to him more and things like that. But I would beg to differ if you are shooting 13 field goal attempts – and i think in the last game it was somewhere in the ballpark of 16 i don't know that the game is coming to you that frequently my guy
0: i don't even have a i don't even have a problem with the 13 i have a problem with the 9 yeah nine of them from 3 yeah and the only 3 that went in were those in the final stretch there where it was like desperation attempts
2: Yeah, and so for at least for me, I do agree with them to an extent when they or you know when they're when he's talking about letting the uh, game come to him only if he's driving. Yeah, yeah. If he's not, if he if he's driving, it's a totally different ball game. Even if he's missing them, if he's driving and not turning it over, I should add. Well, Um, not
0: driving into four people.
1: Yeah looking for a foul, seeking a foul. Because, like, he's really good when he goes up strong and, like, when he's actually, like, getting into a lane that isn't a complete cluster. Like, he – that – I remember writing about him when he was coming – like, it was, like, before his freshman season. And the one thing that I noticed in all the digging that I did was that he is really, really good getting to the rim – it's like what his offense should be based around. But we've just seen threes and jump sh- jumpers and jumpers and threes and jumpers. And I'm just like, this this isn't your strength, my guy. And that's not even a knock. It's just like you could have this production but be more efficient if you just did what you're good at.
0: And I will say the first half of that game was probably – the best like facilitating job I've seen out of him in quite some time. Yeah. He was finding his teammates. He had five assists in the game. Um, That is a much better Caleb for the team as a whole than the one that's just like catch ball, shoot ball, catch ball, shoot ball. Um, and I mean, I, I understand that he feels like if he doesn't make one that he has to keep shooting because maybe the next one will go in. I don't know what has been going on that it's just like the numbers have fallen off a cliff from where they were last year, but at some point you have to re almost. You have to adjust to... I mean, I think back to um, this season where Marcus Page just, like, could not buy a three-pointer anymore and how clearly frustrated he was by that. But I don't feel like that had as sweeping of a negative effect over the rest of the offense as Caleb's struggles have this season. And I think there's a lot to be said for um how Paige handled that, how all of that went because like he was, I mean, I can't imagine his numbers were better than Caleb's are right now.
2: And I even remember during that slum um this one of the announcers was was essentially joking that Paige knew that if he threw it up u n c was going the the likelihood of u n c getting um a second chance point off of it. Um, or points off of it was pretty good right because there was going to be somebody there to to catch it and put it back up you know even if he missed it kind of thing and like i don't know if it's just the way that he shot it then and the way that caleb is shooting it now but it definitely does not roll off the rim when caleb shoots it and misses it like Like, it shoots like a dart into the opposing into the opposing team's hands and it's a run out and you know like so i don't know what's going on there are we using a different basketball Do we need to like burn some sage around the rims i don't don't know what's going on but it is just it's different like i i can't explain it like i've never i can't recall a player that uh, i cannot recall that happening to a player like that like it does to caleb and it's almost every time he misses it
1: yeah and i mean if you are going at the rim instead, you are more likely to at least give your team a chance to get those second-chance points, which that was another part of Bay Cop being out. UNC only had four second-chance points, just four. And you just, especially going against Virginia, you can't win like that. Yeah. You're not going to win like that.
2: Well, yeah, and I guess uh, the big positive here is we're talking about all these deficiencies that we had, and yet UNC had a lead in the game and arguably should have still won. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I don't know. But...
0: Yeah, I mean, I definitely think that if this game had happened in a vacuum, it wouldn't be nearly as frustrating. I think it's the fact that it comes off of so many games the same and you know i i don't think anybody wants caleb to figure it out more than caleb does um he he obviously takes a lot of pride in his game as he should um but he's just been kind of snake bitten this year i mean obviously he has good games he scores a lot in some games. Um, I think it's still the efficiency that is missing. I feel I felt like the last couple games before this one had been better in that regard. Um, I don't know how much of that is just uh when the team wins, it's easier to kind of just be like, well, whatever happened, happened, and, and it's fine. Um, It it could be some of that for sure. Um, I think it's also coincided with like Baycott suddenly being just like otherworldly again. Um, So not as much of the like spotlight was directly on Caleb's head. But I don't know. The team needs him to figure this out. If they're going to be successful, and it's just gone on long enough that I don't think that anyone knows how to fix it at this point, including
1: Caleb. I think one thing that had been helping him as of late is teams have started double-teaming Baycott quite a bit in the paint. And whenever that happens, I mean, Baycott's a really good passer, so he's been able to kick it out to the perimeter. Somebody's able to get open for a three, and I think that has probably helped Caleb more than anything when his shot actually looks good, but... When you don't have that against Virginia, I mean, I have never seen Virginia play out on the perimeter that much before in my life. But they felt like they didn't have to look uh, cover the paint because they knew who UNC were was at that point without Baycott.
2: And your point, and to your point about the kickouts, if I Caleb can take all the kickout threes that he wants, like mm-hmm. I feel that is more of his game than the. Pull up, you know, three, whatever that is. But I just, I don't know what goes through anyone's head that you know. As soon as we cross half court, at least where it appears to look like, as soon as I cross half court, I'm looking to get it up. Um, I just, I don't, I don't, I don't understand that.
1: But yeah, that's some like Trey Young stuff, Curry stuff, which. You can ask trey young that that'll only last for so long if you're even able to do what he did that one season <laughs> and
0: and i I loathe the fact that it feels like any time after a game it becomes in it becomes the sort of like let's talk about what Caleb Love did wrong in this one discussion. I don't enjoy that at all. Um, I would say, you know, there are obviously people who feel like the criticism is unfair. Um, to those people, I would say, uh, Adrian Atkinson does a very illuminating job of, I think, breaking it down as completely lacking bias as can be done. Um, what is that whole, uh, men lie, women lie, numbers don't lie? Um, the numbers don't lie. Um, but I absolutely, I absolutely think that Baycott really being incredible over the the last stretch, um, helped Caleb a lot. And that makes me all the more hopeful, that the ankle injury does not linger for him the way that we know ankle injuries can, um, because they they need him
1: desperately. Yeah. Um, in case anybody didn't see that tweet by Adrian Atkinson, it was a on court, off court ratings, uh, you know graph type situation, it's not really a graph, he had numbers, um, Baycott ranks highest on the team, 17.5, uh, Caleb Love, second worst, negative 13.9, and a lot of that is because of his defense, because defensively, he um, he's pretty bad in that chart, he's negative 22.1, that's the worst on the team. So um just in case anybody just thought that we uh were just haters, it's not that we're haters. There's math to back it up like Tanya said. Um but you know, it's also the fact that this team is a three-headed snake at at the end of the day like the best three players are Baycott Davis and Love and they really need all three to function properly to win. Um It's not that R.J. Davis hasn't had bad games. Uh, It's not that Baycott hasn't had bad games, even though I would argue his bad games look like some guys' good games. But Love's bad games have just been so glaring that it's concerning. And truly, I don't know if it gets better. One can only hope it gets better. Maybe he'll turn it on closer to March. I don't know.
0: The silver lining, if there is one, and um, I I do not wish to add context to this because it probably makes it less good, but um, this year's UNC team and last year's UNC team have the exact same record at this point, and last season worked out okay. Um, I think the disappointing thing is obviously um, – those players are a year older, a year more experienced. Um you would hope that um some of that would come through and and be an improvement. Um and I think for some of them that's definitely evident, um for others maybe not so much, but um I think it's important even for me who is uh what I would call the uh, sort of pessimistic realist here. Um, All is not lost at this point. Um, There have been frustrating losses, to be sure. Um, There are a lot of games that I would love to run back. But um, last year turned out okay. And um, I think if we can get a little good luck and a little bit of improvement on... Some glaring weak spots. Um, this can also be a very competitive team, um, but they'll they'll need both.
2: So and so, so for the optimistic fan and me, I obviously don't want to see these struggles, and we you know we're going to talk about this in, in a few. Um, but we've got. A decent schedule coming up. But armed with the knowledge of what happened last year and what they were able to do, we're six games into the season. Um, the longer it takes them to figure it out, because I still firmly, and I think we all so firmly believe that they can do it, but the longer it takes them to figure out, I think their peak is a bit higher. Yeah. No, obviously, I don't want to go through, you know, like you know, Louisville. The next you can't go through the next two or three, you know, that way. But I'm just saying, like, so 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 far, like, I don't know. Like, I it would have been a little different to have them coming out, you know, um, firing out out of the gate, you know, like six and zero kind of thing. Kind of waiting for that shoe to drop of okay, so like you know did we peak in the middle of the season or you know are we returning we on later in the season um and maybe it's a little bit biased about what happened last year, but yeah i'm, I'm still feeling okay um now obviously every game we get a little bit um lower margin of error, but. Yeah. Yeah, so okay, disappointed about the, the result, obviously, but yeah, not hitting the, oh my God, we're not going to do anything, we're not going anywhere. So. Yeah.
0: And I mean, there is no shame losing to a top 15 Virginia team on the road in a place where you just cannot win when your best player goes out in the first two minutes. Um, I think it's how, it's the, uh, how that sausage was made that makes it frustrating. Um, but I think when we roll the tape on this season, um, that one will probably not be the one that we hone in on as, um, a really problematic outcome, much more mad about the Virginia Tech <laughs>
1: game,
0: uh, because the Hokies have not won a single other ACC game. Um, so if we want to circle one, I don't think it'll be this one. I think it will probably be that one. It very well could be the Pit one. Um, but I'm I'm mad about it in the moment. But in the zoomed out picture, I think it'll be the not the least of our worries, but Low well on the list.
2: I hope that it's a game that we've already played because we've got some tricky ones coming up. <laughs> <laughs> and also, so, um,
0: <laughs> speaking of that, this team has to find a way to win on the road. <laughs> yeah. 0-4? Uh,
1: yeah, they're 0-4 on the road. Why? I don't know. But, but I do want to bring this up because this is important because you were talking about our record being the same as last year. Last year as I recall, we did not have a quad one win to this point. We were like very thirsty for it and then we finally beat Duke near the end of the season. Somehow we still have won. Um shout out Ohio State. I guess keep doing well. <laughs> um but the other part of that is we've played and this could be out of or this could be out of date now because it said that it was updated January 10th. So could be an extra quad one game if you count Virginia but what I'm looking at right now is we've played seven quad one teams we want to put that in perspective Houston's played four Tennessee's played three I guess UConn's played six so that would that's fair enough um there's some Kansas has actually played quite a bit but my point is this schedule's been tough it's not an excuse. Um, when you're supposed to be a preseason number one team, you don't, you don't really get that excuse. Um, but there's still the fact that it is a tough schedule regardless. And thankfully we have not dropped a game against quad two, three or four.
0: That is certainly a silver lining. Um, they really have to just like rack them up for the rest of January, the schedule turns more favorable. Um we were talking about this before the podcast. Um I am in no way willing to um mm-hmm. jinx anything or uh disrupt the vibes of the universe and, and say that um they should win because that's that's tricky Terry, I don't even know who this team should really be at this point other than they probably should beat Louisville because Louisville seems to be a bit of a trash fire. Um, But other than that, I I don't know that I'm willing to put too much out there, but the schedule is probably as favorable as it's going to get for the next four games, and uh, they need to do something with that.
1: You cannot afford to lose to Louisville. Like
0: they, they lose to Lou.
1: It, it is a different kind of must win game where it's not like you have to beat them so that you show this good win on your resume. You have to beat them because if you lose to them, it looks god awful to the selection committee. And I, I, you just don't want to make them think any harder near the end of the season than they need to. It's on the road, but also Louisville's been, gotta get Louisville's been bad at home. So it's just like, you still have to beat a bad team. You don't have a choice.
0: Something, something, unstoppable force, something, something, immovable <laughs> object. Uh, we will <laughs> find out on Saturday.
2: And also, we we appear to be everybody's get-right game too. So. Yeah.
0: See, I'm wearing off on Julius these days.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I'll just say it. Like, it would not surprise me, um, you know, if Louisville comes out and you're like, oh, wait, then we used to, oh, on Twitter, we used to play a game. It was like, take a shot. If you hear anybody say, oh, well, he doesn't normally do this or <laughs> uh-huh. he won't normally score like this. And, 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 you know, we're playing him. So it's just, I don't know. It's so weird. <laughs>
0: Julius, is the pit game where I ruined you? Is that where it
2: all went wrong? I think it's been just a culmination of <laughs> <laughs> what has transpired over the course of the season. I think it's like, I just
1: need both bye. of you to tuck it away in the back of your heads. Now they only lost to Syracuse by one. So when it I'm a low, little concerned about that game. But um.
0: that doesn't. I don't feel like them only losing to Syracuse by one is a point against what we're saying. I feel like it's a point for what we're saying, which is I'm scared and want to go home.
1: Well, if that's your point, then point well taken.
0: Yeah, I it being on the road against a team that they cannot afford to lose to, seems like we're setting up some nightmare fuel. I hope that's not the case. And, like, Baycott's probably not going to play. And that, you know what?
1: It's time Ooh, to Oh, we're putting a lot of bad energy on the universe. But you know what? At least we're not Kentucky fans, right, guys? Oh. Uh, right? Oh. Uh, not Kentucky fans? We didn't just lose to South Carolina. At home. With G-G-
2: with GG standing around?
1: Yeah, with GG standing around. I mean, shout-outs to him. He did a little better than I think I realized initially, but the, uh, uh, I don't know. Sometimes I look at players that you see missed out on, and I'm like, I'm both glad and not glad that you made your decisions.
0: What was the team that he played against where he didn't score? Tennessee. It was probably Tennessee. Yeah. As much as I was um, upset in the moment that he was not coming to UNC, can you imagine him just not scoring against... Like, first of all, we've talked here about um, sort of uh, the reputation of UNC not necessarily developing players. If a player like that came and... no, I'd have to light my phone on literal fire and burning in the street because.
1: Well, and I was telling Julius, I just didn't feel like South Carolina knew how to use them. And I I don't know if that's necessarily true or not. It was a very small sample size for me. Uh, That's really the first time that I've watched him on the college level. But what I saw, I was just like, I I don't know that y'all are utilizing this kid to his fullest potential and i mean i guess that's the risk you run when you decide that you want to um we've seen it with other high profile players at other not so high profile schools i'll just leave it at that
0: well we will all cross our fingers hold our breath light a candle uh, burn some sage make a sacrifice of something uh, to hope that the game Saturday goes well and that the subsequent games go well too. Um, But I feel like that's all we have for this one. We'll be back next week, barring uh, any more COVID popping up. And uh, hopefully we have much brighter things To talk about. Would you like to tell. The people where they can find you.
1: Um, You can find me. At THB Brandon. And you can find me at. UNC
2: underscore. Tar fan.
0: I am at. Tanya underscore underscore Anderson. Until next time. Go Heels.
1: Go Heels. Go Heels.